Preparing to delve in three, two, one. This is a very savage world. Oh, sorry, you caught me in the middle of trying to do voiceover for a project that doesn't exist. Hi! On this episode, I actually had a couple different games that I would like to talk about. Unfortunately, I don't feel like I've really played them quite enough that I'm confident in doing so. I feel like I'm going back to them and I'm playing them some more, so I thought I would hold off. But then, I realized that there was a game that I played earlier in the year called Journey to the Savage Planet. And this was actually a game that's a little unusual because I did indeed finish it. I went from the beginning all the way to the end. It was also during a time where there weren't a lot of other releases that were going on, a lot of other stuff that I wanted to play. So perhaps that was the reason why I was perfectly fine just playing it all the way through. But I felt like I never really got a chance to talk about it. I was thinking about including it in my Too Many Games segment, but then I was like, yeah, but I actually played it for a lot longer than the games that I was mentioning there. So it doesn't really feel right to include it. Now, that does not necessarily mean that it is a game that I would say is terrific. Uh, we're going to get into that in a minute, but it is definitely a game that I felt compelled to play to the end, and that's something. Journey to the Savage Planet is a game that basically puts you in the boots, the, the space boots, <laughs> of this person who has been sent by this conglomerate corporation, profit hogging group, whatever they are, uh, to go and explore other planets. With the conceit that they're trying to find new planets for habitation, but also with, like, a deeper idea under the surface that they also want to see if there's anything useful that they can exploit for profit. So, you know, the basics. Your ship crash lands, however, and now it's inoperable. And the idea is you have to go out into the world and find enough fuel cells so that you can repair your ship and you know, get all the components uh, so that you can get off this rock. Uh, but no one really knows anything about the planet or what you're going to find there. You think that there are some fuel cells that are around that might have jettisoned off. So you're on a main quest, essentially, to find those components. But obviously, as you are starting to go around the landscape you get the impression that the company would also like you to, while you're there, maybe uncover what is happening here. What I mean by that is this is supposed to be an untapped planet. This is supposed to be a virgin planet that has never seen civilization. However, when you leave your craft, the first thing that you see, pretty much, is you get these scans that say, hey, there's this giant structure that's in the middle of this planet, and um, we'd like to know more about that, please, because apparently there was a civilization here, an ancient one, and we don't know what's going on with that. So you get this secondary motivation that isn't really your primary, but they would really love it if you took a look at what's going on with this giant ancient structure. So uh, immediately, there are definitely some things that they want you to explore, and it helps with the world-building aspect. Uh, there is a lot of exploration that goes on in this game, and there's a lot of Metroid influences. You do get different upgrades, different abilities as time goes on, expanding 
both your maneuverability and also your gadgetry. This allows you to access new areas of the map, and it is actually a pretty sprawling open map, although one of the things that I found kind of strange is that everything that you're dealing with is on these floating islands in the sky. So there's a lot of points where you might just fall off the surface of the world, because that just happens a lot. It's one of the islands in the sky games. You you know the types, where it's like, well, we wanted to have an open world, but we also uh, didn't know where to end the world, so you just fall off the edge of it. It, it happens. Sometimes it works in games, like, I, I just accept it in Borderlands. Sometimes, I think, like, when I played Portal Knights, I was like, okay, this is just, I don't get why this is happening. I don't, I don't know why you had to make it this difficult to actually traverse land. But it's not too bad in Journey to a Savage Planet. And one of the things that they want to do is create those spaces between so that you utilize, like, grappling hooks and other abilities that you get over the course of the game. Things that worked for it, though, I would say in pros category, are, are the graphics and the style. It felt a lot like Metroid Prime, but like an updated version of Metroid Prime, and I really did like that. In fact, everything that works about the game is basically stuff they basically borrowed from Metroid. So the exploration elements, the world building, all of the creatures that you deal with, there are no human or robotic enemies in this. It's, it's all like the creatures that exist in this world, and some of them are not necessarily violent creatures. Some of them are more aggressive than others, but you may still have to shoot them because they have resources. So you have to figure all of that stuff out. And while you're going around this landscape, you can also collect a bunch of elements that allow you to do upgrades, and you're also supposed to do research. And as you complete different research goals, you unlock new tiers of upgrades that you can get back on the ship. So there's a lot of stuff that keeps you engaged, and it definitely kept me engaged enough to play through to the end. That, however, does not mean that it is without its problems, and it does have those problems. One, if we are comparing it to a Metroid, if we are comparing it to a Zelda, I cannot tell you that the characters or the world, or anything, are quite as endearing. They don't feel that way. In fact, it kind of feels a little bit flat, which it, it shouldn't, because it is vibrant. But in some ways, I think the problem is with its tone and how it's presenting information. Let me explain. Once you get onto this planet, it becomes obvious that you are essentially a pawn for this company. And so at that point, you have to determine this company that has pretty much shown itself to be a money-grubbing, uh, self-interested company that doesn't really care if you live or die anyway. Whether you decide to go along with their plans or not is now all in your hands, but they've tipped their hand so early on. And I feel like they did all of that because they wanted to have a certain level of cynicism it actually reminded me a lot of the world building that they did in uh, Outer Worlds. But the thing is, is that Outer Worlds was far more subtle and clever about how they implemented that idea of these big ultra conglomerates that are basically using you as a resource. Journey to the Savage Planet, however, makes that so overt up at the front that it's kind of hard to even understand the world-building aspect. It's kind of like, yeah, we want money, and we want you to figure out how to exploit this planet for money, so go and do it. And then you have to determine if you're doing it or not. 
your options, though, at the end of the game are either you do that for the company and the company's happy and will probably just send you to another planet, or you can just get your fuel cells and leave the planet without actually delivering that objective and the company is not happy with you. These are basically your options. I feel like the game almost is in too much in love with itself. And that just resonates throughout the entirety of it. So you're having fun playing the game and you might enjoy the world that it has built, but whether you enjoy the characters or you have a personal connection to it, that's a whole other thing. Nowhere is this more obvious than when you go onto the ship and immediately you get bombarded by one of these incredibly annoying commercials. And there's actually even an achievement after you've watched them all that says you have watched all the annoying advertisements. And they're just so in your face that it really shows how much in love the developers were with their concept. But to the point where it's just so loud and big that you don't find it realistic. MOBA MOBA MOBA! Like, that's the kind of thing that you get bombarded with immediately, and a little guy dancing around with, like, a rabbit hat on in this world, and all of the loot boxes that are in it and everything, and, and you can tell what they're trying to accomplish, but it's also just incredibly annoying, without even a hint of subtlety to speak of. And I guess I would also say, if I'm talking about negatives, that there are some problems with the mechanics as well. There are these, you know, creatures that can only be hit when they happen to have their tail up and uh, you have to hit the little individual bright spots on them. There's a bunch of different creatures that have those sort of things. And your aiming mechanics are not necessarily that great. It's actually, I would say that one of the, the things you don't necessarily think about until afterward and you have time to digest it is gun charging. And how annoying it is. So you have a gun, and you can upgrade it a lot during the game. It's, it's like a pistol, like a laser future pistol. And you can upgrade it a lot during the game so that it does some more damage and that it um, has more ammunition. But one of the ways that they really decided would be great to increase its damage is if you do a charging minigame in the middle of the actual combat. Oh, I charge it to this point, release the button, okay, it's on second level, oh, now we've upgraded it so I can have a third level, and then you fire it, and if it misses, it was all for naught, but you had to go through this really long, rigorous process to do it, and it's not used in any of the puzzles or exploration elements, it's all just for combat, and it's just as easy to just fire the gun as much as you possibly can, and just deal with the fact that you're going to be reloading fairly frequently, even once you've fully upgraded the gun. So the combat starts to feel a little bit tedious and tiresome. And then, if I was to tell you that there was another con, there definitely is, and it's the ending. <laughs> the ending kind of is abrupt. Um, it's like, oh, here's the final boss battle, and then it's over. And the company would like you to get a sample from that big thing you fought. And now you can go now and you don't really get much resolution as to what this was all about <laughs> at the end. That fell flat for me as well. And so it's an enjoyable game and you do enjoy the exploration elements. And it feels like there's a lot of potential there that just wasn't achieved. While I can't tell you that it is as fleshed out or interesting as, like, games in the Metroid series are, 
I would say that if you are looking for a Metroid experience, this is probably the closest you're going to come until the next Metroid game is out, whenever that is. So it's probably worth your time to check out. Uh, it does have a bunch of different environments. Uh, you might start to feel a little bit bad. There, there are these little, like, bird creatures that hop along with big eyes. And there's a lot of encouragement for you to uh, shoot them. Uh, in fact, there's points in the game where you have to, like, chuck them into, like, these, these razor mouths so that you can open different doors. Uh, it is kind of dark in certain parts like that. You might feel bad for having to constantly shoot all these creatures just simply because you need resources so that you can upgrade or that you need to complete research goals because sometimes that's the case. Again, I feel like it's a little cynical and in love with itself and its concept a little too much. So again, it's not necessarily as good as a Metroid, but it is a close approximation at least, and that's something. However, we're at the point where I would talk about alternatives to this game. And while it would be really easy for me to just say, go play a Metroid game, I can't tell you that for every Metroid. It would mostly be the Prime series. But more importantly, I wanted to talk about something more recent. If you're looking for something in the Metroidvania genre that has some similarities in gameplay, don't forget to check out Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. It's still great. It came out last year. It was in my, like, top five. It's excellent. It's so much fun. It's very engaging. It's got a lot of style. It's got a lot of personality. If you haven't played it, I highly recommend that you do. It's just wonderful. Miriam is great. I love the style. I love the artwork. I love the upgrades. I love the exploration elements. It just, just top to bottom. So good. Just so good. All right, everybody. Well, I am going to let you go back to the savage planet that is known as Earth. You can just hop right into that minecart and abandon me, I'm sure. I'm sure it's nice out there. I heard great things. You enjoy 2020 out there. I'm going to stay in this cave. That's, that's what I'm going to do. They called me insane. Shut up, Terry. You're invisible. <laughs>